Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Building a Bridge. My name is Jesse Brisenheim. My name is Jared Countess, and our mission is to empower people to use their voice to build a bridge beyond race relations, creating unity and understanding, effectively raising the consciousness of humanity. Last week, we talked about recent police shootings and the walls we build and also what happens when we blame one another, if we're excusing ourselves from doing our deeper work and also the challenge of using data to prove a point. And this week, Jared, what are we going to focus in on? So this week, we're going to kind of focus on two of those five. We're going to expand on those things in terms of, sorry, let me go back. We're going to expand on those things in terms of how we, how, not, not just like how we have different reactions to things, but in terms of like why we start to build walls right? In, the, in those places of comfort um, and how everything on the other side of that wall we can see is danger, right? No matter what's in the wall with us, right? We lose track of what the, the things that we don't like that's inside of our wall or inside of these boundaries that we've built. And we just choose to dislike everything outside of it and like the dangers of that. And then um, even deeper, how that comes from you know, not doing that inner work and not having a definite aim or purpose. Uh, so Jesse brought up a great analogy <laughs> before we got on today. He brought up a, a, a great piece. Um, and he said, uh, you know, he looks at the behavior of, of, of the groups, right? You know, Jesse's like a social scientist, right? So he's looking at the behavior of groups and, and um, he was saying that he looks at like the pro-Biden group and the pro-Trump group. Trump group, and he looks at the behaviors of the group, right, as how the group behaves, and he was like, so a lot, you can look at those behaviors and compare them directly to, like, how, like, the behavior of, like, a, a L.A. gang, like, a Crip gang behaves, you know, in L.A., and I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let him kind of touch on it, because it was, it was, uh, I was, I was like, yes, 100%, and so I'm gonna let him dig on, you know, how can we, when we form those groups, what happens? What's the group behavior? In? Yeah, I think what's, there's a, there's a really incredible TED talk that's less than three minutes, I think, that I encourage everybody to walk, or watch, rather. And the talk is basically, I think it's called How Movement is Made. And there's this little kid at, or maybe not a little kid, probably a teenager at some festival. And he's off dancing by himself. And he looks kind of, if you're just judging him, he looks his dancing is kind of spastic, erratic. My judgment of him when I watched it was, you know, kind of what a nerd. I would never get caught in moving like that and doing those kinds of things. <clears throat> and they're talking about how it, the risk that comes with being the first one out there. And they say, it's not the first one that causes a movement. It's the first follower that really gets the ball rolling. And then while he's dancing, there's a girl that comes over and dances with him. And she's kind of mirroring the, what he's doing. Shortly after she comes, it, it's much quicker. So it takes a few minutes for her to come over. Then after she's over, it's less than a minute for the next one. And then over a span of a you know, very few minutes after that, it goes from just that one and then the one and the two to now there's a whole massive group over there, all kind of dancing and moving in the same way this, this original guy did. Jared and I were talking beforehand, and I think it's a really interesting curiosity to explore where if we look at group dynamics and if we look at just the group, if we remove our emotional prejudice to the group and we remove our emotional judgment to the group and we actually just look at the group 
we can start to see whether you're a pro-Trump group, a pro-Biden group, a, the Crips in LA, the Black Panthers, the KKK. While we may not agree with the behaviors of the group and what they represent, you'll see that each of them is serving essentially the same basic needs, right? They're offering community. They're offering connection. They're offering safety. They're offering a place where you're going to be understood. They're offering a, a righteousness in a way that they're going for the better cause. They're offering a belief system that what they're doing, they're doing because they believe it's going to make the lives better of their family, their community, their children, their children's children. <clears throat> Jared and I were even talking about the idea that a lot of times when you have gang violence, it's not just because these guys are going around wanting to commit criminal acts just to be criminals. It's because somebody hurts somebody in their gang or their family or their community, and they're going and seeking retaliation, the eye for an eye type thing, which it's interesting. Those are themes that play out in much of our entertainment, right? I don't know about all of you, but I can't even count how many movies I've watched where the movie is set up with the bad guy doing something horrific. And the whole movie is about the hero going and getting the bad guy. And the very end of the movie is the final battle between good versus evil, right versus wrong, the bad guy. And we're sometimes disappointed when the bad guy doesn't get it at the level that we think they deserve to get. And I think this is really fascinating because when we look at this time in particular, many of us are feeling isolated. Many of us are feeling alone. Many of us are feeling uncertain and scared because of the conditions that have been created by COVID. And not to say that wasn't there before, but a lot of the stuff we had certainty in has been removed. And one of the fastest anecdotes to those things are finding community, finding a place where you can find certainty. Isolation to loneliness is finding a place where you can belong. And so we start to look for these micro communities because we're isolated maybe in many ways from our primary communities. And it's very easy and very quickly to start to find people who believe what we believe. There was a really interesting study that came out of, I think, the Korean War. And what they found was, is you would have uh, South Korea started, or not South Korea, I'm sorry. When American POWs were captured, Korea started to use propaganda campaigns to try to sway the tide of the war. And what they would do with these POWs is it wasn't violent. They would start to entice them to basically create anti-American statements and get them to make letters and recordings. Now, how they would do these, these are soldiers who swore they would defend and uphold the flag and all it represents, they would never do it. So what they would do is they'd get them to, <clears throat> they'd say, okay, I respect that. And then they, they'd make some statement that had, where it allowed them to make one concession. It would be a broad general statement like, does America always do everything right? Well, no, they don't always do everything right. And then there would be a progression from that. Does America do everything right 98% of the time? Yeah, probably not. And eventually this goes down the line where after a series of questions and getting them to have compliance with it, you'll have an American soldier who swore to protect the flag, what it represents, a very staunch American who before this would never make any sort of anti-American propaganda statement, is writing letters, making recordings, talking about how America is so in the wrong and how that we need to stop because Korea is in the right and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is to say that it's important for us to recognize that we are all influenced into group dynamics, into finding communities, finding places to bond. And most communities 
even if we don't believe what they believe and agree with what they, they are espousing, they're after, from their perspective, the same thing. Trying to improve their communities, trying to improve their way of life, trying to, pre- trying to press forward their values. And we are probably not going to sway them by, you know, Jared and I were saying, calling them poopy pants or telling them they're wrong or trying to, you know, persecute or alienate them any, anymore. I don't know about all of you, but if somebody just tells me I'm wrong and doesn't feel good, and then I'm going to be more resolute probably in my wrongness and just to prove to them why that's not true. At the very least, I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of giving up and making them right. But what we can do is we can start to change, again, change our approach with it, whether we're, we're having conversations with our family members or our friends who are one side politically, or if we have those engagements with people who might be in a gang or some sort of type of thing. If we can start to seek to understand why they believe what they believe, why are they really doing it? What's their why under their why under their why, which, which beckons a tremendous amount of emotional patience on our parts, you will find that you will get to a core place where they likely share the same beliefs as you, the same desires. They're just expressing it differently. And it's there that you can create influence. It's there that you can create change. You are not going to create it by alienating somebody else. And when you walk outside and you look across the street and you see your neighbor has a political sign in their yard, that is different than what you believe. And then you never talk to them. You look the other way, avoid making eye contact. That's going to probably make them go and get a bumper sticker after that. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, it's, it's, it's like, um, I'm like listening to you, like listening to you. And it's so, it's so funny. So I'm going to first, I'm going to touch on what you said. So like when we find that safety, in that security in that group, right? And we, and we immediately begin to either judge other people from other groups as friend or enemy, right? So like our individual self is almost gone, right? And we've now accepted the group identity. Yeah. And then we've stripped away other people's individual, um, individual selves and given them a group identity. And everything is just group versus group, tribe versus tribe, right? And um, so like you said, like the, uh, the, the driving force for, for assimilating is safety, right? You feel safer in the group. You feel um, more confident, like in your beliefs and your, even if you don't necessarily agree with everything that the group is brought up, you just feel more confident in those things. And you have other people to back you up when you say something right there are like other people like cheering you on and backing you up. Um, so I finally pulled up what we also talked about, which was that the phases of trauma thing. Um, and the phase one is safety and stabilization. Mm. And so it's like, it, it just, it just makes so much sense that as the world around you collapses, right. You try to form groups or you can feel safe, right or wrong. That's and that's why that's why gangs form in bad neighborhoods. Yeah. It's a it's a safety in numbers type of thing because the world is chaotic and I feel unsafe. And teenagers and young kids join them because they are grown men out there and yeah. they feel, make them feel even more unsafe. And so we have to uh 
we have to join together in numbers and then we and we and then we become safe and you know stable and um unfortunately right um what 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 tends that what tends to happen after that is um you begin to act aggressively as a group um and 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 uh that is that's like so i'm like i'm learning this right now as we're talking this phases of trauma right and what happens when people don't like go through the next step which is remembrance and mourning properly and they just and they kind of go straight into a way of okay i'm gonna fight and ensure that this never happens again right and then they're and everyone in their group is the same kind of fight yeah yeah and and and, and i think i think you know that's you know I feel like that's effectively like you know where we where we are right like no one no one is is we've used the group to harden ourselves right and so the only emotions that we want to express are anger and vengeance and you know uh reprisal <laughs> right as opposed to you know um allowing the group to, 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 to open us up so that we can, you know, ask the other side or ask the members of the opposite group. Okay. So why did this happen? Yeah. Right. What, what, what is, what, so what's the disagreement? Like what's the problem between us? Right. We don't want an answer. We want eradication a lot of times where right? we would just want that group to go away. Yeah. Right. And we got to, we have to get to a point where we're, where we're, where we feel safe in our group. And we ask the other group, okay, what are the talking points? What are you saying? Like, and ask them, right? Like, <laughs> because because we're both yelling, yep. and we're both making accusations, and we're both, you know, trying to pound our point across, but no one is no one is saying, like, in a non, you know. Uh, what's the word like one up men card like one up menship type of way this is this is kind of this is where I'm coming from this is what I want right this is where I feel like I was wrong yeah right and and we have that safety in a group to be you know empathetic to be vulnerable right so it's, it's we get into the group and we build that wall and we lose all sense of, of vulnerability. And I think that's the worst part of like the loss in terms of being an individual, right? The difference between an individual and a group, right? Um, is, you know, we, we seek the group in the safety so that we, we lose vulnerability, I guess, you know what I mean? So that we have that safety, but because we have that safety now, I think we need to, we need to learn to, to as a group be able to say, okay, there are some valid points on the other end of this right and then and then kind of and then integrate which is phase three right phase three of the trauma phases of trauma is integration right is reintegrating back into a whole society which is where i, I feel like people lose track of the overarching goal 
right? The, the overarching goal is, is here. And if we're not, if you can't, you'll never fully eradicate the other side. It just won't happen. It just won't happen. I'm sorry, guys. For all of you who 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 want, you know, whether you're a Democrat or Republicans, Republicans who hate Democrats, or whatever the heck, Black Lives Matter, you hate this, all lives matter, doesn't, you'll never eradicate the other side. You won't. The only the, the there's a mutually assured destruction side of that, but you'll never eradicate the other side. And so since knowing that, the only thing that you can possibly work toward is understanding and coexistence. Yes. Right? You yes. only work toward understanding and coexistence. And so and so that has to be the aim. And then how do we how do we how do we get there? Like how do we how do we get there? And it, and it doesn't have to look like this, right? It doesn't have to, it could just be like the whole group just going, like moving yeah. upwards. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just a whole, it's just a whole group moving to, as opposed to like me saying, okay, everything that you have to say is wrong and I'm going to push you all the way down and I'm going to stand on top, right? It's the whole, the whole, that's why we say raising the collective consciousness of humanity, right? Because the whole, everybody like moves up. We're like, oh, okay, I, I get that. I get that. I'll never agree with you on this point ever ever right but doesn't have to affect my life you know and that and and okay sorry go ahead man oh go no ahead. no jared I, if i could add something to that too it's it goes back to the the michael jordan larry bird discussion we had at the very beginning right <laughs> it, it it really does become that in that we may not agree with it <clears throat> but we can begin to understand why you believe that because we understand the emotion that you have attached behind it. You can start to understand the emotional impact that Michael Jordan makes in my life. I can start to understand the emotional impact that Larry Bird makes in your life. And if we really are willing to play in that space, we can start to dissect it down where for me, Michael Jordan is that person because some of my best memories I have with my family, some of the few times we all hung out as a family is when the Bulls would be playing. And there would be this bonding community thing. So it's not just about Michael Jordan. I still love professional wrestling as much as I do today because I remember as a kid, the only thing my dad and my brother and I ever did together was watch professional wrestling. And my dad would come home early from work to watch professional wrestling with us, to do the Ric Flair, woo. And it has this sentimental thing. So I'm a huge fan of wrestling, not because I'm a huge fan of wrestling, because there's such a beautiful emotional meaning to it with me. So when I watch it now, it makes me feel closer to my father. When I watch it now, it reminds me of times where I was close to my brother. And I think that's really where this understanding piece can come because if we're in this dynamic of safety versus safety, which if you really chunk down our political discourse right now, it's literally a battle of safety. You'll hear Biden people say, this is the most important election you'll ever do. You have to do this because our future depends on it. This is the most important Trump's important election ever. You have to vote because our future depends on it. I asked a, <clears throat> I had uh, some people who one had like a, they changed their profile picture to Trump 2020. The other changed their profile picture to Biden 2020. I just messaged them and said, hey, why do, you, why do you feel that way? Literally, it was almost the same. This is so important. We have to be able to make sure this election is won because of blah, blah, blah. And if you were to, if you were to sure. erase the words Biden and Trump, you would read it and be like, wait, I don't even know who's who in here, right? <laughs> and and, yeah. and it's because we're, we're all 
coming from that thing of what Jared's saying is that basic level of safety. And, and <clears throat> the challenge with building a wall is we keep others out, but then we trap ourselves in. Yes. Right. And we trap yeah. ourselves in so much that I, Jared, and I so appreciate you bringing up that vulnerability point. And I think this is a much bigger piece of the human condition. We have failed massively as humans and especially in cultivating a culture where vulnerability is not embraced as a strength, but it is looked at as a weakness. You know, we're supposed to suck it up, stiff upper lip, not cry, tough it up. You know, we're taught to suppress our feelings or depress our feelings. And the statistics are there. We are so, the, the anti-anxiety medication, anti-depression medication pre-COVID was a $150 billion a year industry. In North America, one in two adults are going to take some sort of antidepressant, anti-anxiety med in their lifetime. We are bottling up so much stuff because vulnerability is not embraced as a strength. We are not taught how to feel, how to express, how to deal. And we end up having to channel that emotion into different communities, whether it's Republican, different, Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, whatever it is, the thing is that so unbelievable is we are all doing the same fucking things. It's just that because they have a different sign than me and I'm feeling afraid of my vulnerability and this group gives me safety and security, I am not necessarily going to like them. I'm going to more likely dislike them because in my perception, they do not believe what I believe. But in reality, in many ways, they are believing the same freaking thing that they are wanting to create safety, community, connection, a better life for their family and friends. And I think, Jared, to your point, I love what you said. It becomes not about eradicating the other side. It becomes about elevating. It becomes about elevating and seeing that there's not a debate of who's better, Michael Jordan or Larry Bird. It's becoming about under elevating the understanding of it's not about to prove who's better. It's about to understand why you believe Larry Bird is better and being able to dive deeper into your emotional experience with watching Larry Bird play growing up as a kid. And then in turn, I understand you, but what's really beautiful about that is if I'm willing to do that, I will see that. Whereas before I would have been blinded to see our similarities because I would have said, dude, Larry Bird, you're fucking crazy. There's nothing compared to Michael Jordan. But what I will open my eyes and my perspective to see is to see how similar you and I are. Because I'm willing to bet our emotion that we have behind why you like Larry Byrne, why I'm Jordan, is going to be very similar. Our journeys, our experiences, of them, where there will be parallels in them. It just so happens that you had the, you know, your guy was Larry Bird, played for the Celtics, and my guy was Michael Jordan, who played for the Bulls. And so, and, and when we do that, when we ask that why question, right, we can see, like, so they're like the reasons why like Larry Bird over I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you guys an example of this, right? So I, I wanna go I'm gonna dig on it. So uh the reason why I like Larry Bird over Michael Jordan, or some of the reasons why I don't like Michael Jordan as much as I as I like Larry Bird, right? Um I like Larry Bird. One reason he was a white guy, no offense, playing a black man's sport, underdog all day long, right? And was one of the best and had an attitude about it. And so it's more of that underdog aspect that I liked about Larry Bird than that, you know, you, you understand, yeah. like, I like underdogs, right? And I like underdogs, underdogs are great. And he, and, and it's a white man playing black man's sport. 
right? And was kicking ass and was taking names and was like the the guy, right? For a while, right? And, and so, or the second guy, whatever. And then some the reason why I don't like Michael Jordan is he wasn't, this, in my views, he wasn't necessarily a team player, right? You know, my dad wasn't a huge Michael Jordan fan. My friend who I had to have arguments with was a huge Michael Jordan <laughs> fan, right? And so like, you know what I mean? Like, so all of these other like, you know, things like kind of, kind of mesh into it, you know, some of the things that he made, statements he made as far as not giving blacks to black community, not being political, blah, 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 blah. I didn't like, I didn't necessarily like those things, right? Never did, right? And so, um, you know, um, I didn't like how much his tennis shoes cost. (laughs) (laughs) They still cost too much. So, but no, but like, but like all of those, all of those little factors added in. Right. But then when we get to like when we talk about like in terms of greatness and great player and, you know, and, and will to win, I don't deny any of that. And I don't I never knock Jesse for thinking that those qualities are admirable because I do, too. But there were other things that, that caused me not to like Michael Jordan as much as I like Larry Bird. So I, when I ask why, I can understand all the reasons why he loved them when when he asks me why. He can then start to see like some of the reasons why I don't like him. And he'd be like, okay, I see that. It doesn't bear on my decision that deeply. You know what I mean? Right? As, as well, like just because Larry Bird was the underdog and whatever, yeah. that's not going to make me like Larry Bird any more than I like Michael Jordan. Because guess what? Michael Jordan still whooped his ass, right? It's so, like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and you, But you know what, Jared, too? I think what's really cool about what you just said is then the dynamic of the conversation changes because we're not talking, we're not having a debate over stats, who scored more points, who had more rebounds, anything like that. And it's not a debate over, it's not an argument over why I'm trying to prove you should like Michael Jordan more, I, or you're trying to prove I should like Larry Bird more. What it becomes is it becomes an opportunity for us both to discuss why you to discuss even more and evolve more like your love and respect and admiration for Larry Bird and me to evolve in my, my love, respect, admiration for Michael Jordan. And that's a much different discussion because I'm not trying to sway you. You're not trying to sway me. What we're both doing is we're collectively celebrating these figureheads for us who are meaningful figureheads. And in turn, it allows each of us to foster a deeper level of mutual understanding, respect for one another. Because then while I, because now I'm hearing what you're saying and I can just respect it that much more that you're finding this person in an underdog. You know, you're looking at the underdog, all these types of things that your dad was a fan of Larry Bird or didn't like Michael Jordan. You know, those are dynamics that play out that then allow me to start to understand you more as a human being that I would never ever be able to understand or relate to if it just became a, well, you're wrong, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird's better than Michael Jordan. Well, you're wrong. Larry Bird is not as good as Michael Jordan, that kind of thing, which is where most of these things break down at. And whether it's Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, where it's Trump or Biden, where it's Black Lives, All Lives, we have this conflict versus this understanding piece. We're not trying to celebrate why someone believes what they believe and helping them elevate that. We're trying to prove why they're wrong and that we're right and that why they should come over to this side. And if they don't, they're a stupid poopy pants. So it, 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 it goes, dives directly into um, something we've talked about in the group before, 
specifically uh, somebody named Jamie. If you guys know who Jamie is, she, I don't know if she's been super active lately, but uh, Jamie and um, but we and we were talking about it before, like this thought of like some form of absolute morality, right? Or you can whether or not you can be a hundred percent wrong or hundred percent right in anything, right? Um, and so uh, I want to give you guys an example of that because once we get in those groups, right? We're in a group and we like form like this is right, whatever we believe is right. And because whatever we believe is right, whatever you believe has to be wrong. And now we can go into that crip blood dynamic, whereas I just seek vengeance, right? Forgetting that because you shot my friend or you came and shot up our neighborhood. Now we're going to go shoot up your neighborhood. Forgetting that we shot up your, your neighborhood two weeks before you shot up our neighborhood, right? And blah, 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 all the way down the line, right? And so um, uh, it, it's, you, you can get into that right, wrong, and I'm always right, and they're always wrong, which is never, really almost never the case, 100%. And the example that, we, that I used or we were talking about was lying, right? In terms of like when you're raising your kids or like why people begin lying in the first place. And like some lies like serve a purpose and are good, right? Little white lies that make other people feel better. And no one would call those wrong, right? Like, you know, like your spouse asks you, to, do they look fat or something like that? Or your significant other, right? Or do they look bad in that? And you know, they don't have time to change or whatever, right? And all that kind of stuff, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and they're not, and they just want to feel good. They want to hear a good statement from you. And you tell them, right? You tell them maybe a little white lie or something like that. And we all look at that and we say, that's a good human being. It's a good act, right? But we say lying is wrong, right? So it's not an absolute truth that lying is always 100% wrong, right? It's, it's, and we know that as human beings. And so we, 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 when we get in groups, we don't like to face those contradictions. We don't like to make life like the way it is. We want to be absolutes. And it's just not that. It's just not that. And there are, so not only are there times to lie, right, that we would all look at as good, right? Sometimes they're lying. There are people who lie and it's bad, but they had a good reason. <laughs> like, like if they told the truth, like, you know, they're, they're, then, then something awful is going to happen to them. So from their point of view, you know, like, why tell it? I'm not, I'm sorry, guys. I, I know I like, like, I'll, it's always questionable when you get into like morality, things like that and stuff like that. And, and you know, people are always going to say, well, you can't say that. Like it's wrong. It's the wrong act and blah, 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 blah. But we are, we lose track of how contradictory we are as human beings in terms of our actions, our beliefs and things like that. But we know it. And we know it in our core. And I think that adds to the anxiety, right? I know that we, I know that we all have felt like we wanted to, you know, tear the head off of somebody that we loved. We've all felt that way. And we know we love them. Oh, I still want to rip their fucking head off, right? I still, I, I want to fucking hurt you right now, right? And so we, we face those things and we know it. And so it, it, it's, it's extremely, I think, difficult for us to face our duality. Right, and we skip that remembrance and mourning phase when we talk about the trauma part, right? And that's your 
connection. That's your, that's your connection to your why. You form your Larry Bird group over your Michael Jordan group, right? There's a memory there. There's, a, there's, a, there's something that you, your connection is so strong because it's something that you had before that you don't have now and that's your only connection to it. Yes. And that person on the other side is a threat to that connection. Yes. Because if they're right, then you shouldn't love this. Yep. And, and that is, if we could think about some kind of absolute morality wrong, that's wrong, right? Your love for that or in their love for this has nothing to do with you being wrong. And that's where we're getting lost, right? We're taking that disagreement as being I'm wrong. There's no validity to what it is that I'm saying. And the, and the people are trying to say, there's no validity to what it is that you're saying and you're wrong. They are, we are, we're getting caught up in that. Like, so both sides are doing that to each other, right? You're wrong, there's no validity to what you're trying to say, right? And we're saying it because it threatens the thought that I couldn't be right. But we can both, favorite guy says, both things can be true. I can love this and be 100% right for loving this, right? Without saying that you're wrong. Yes. And can we get there? <laughs> can we get there? I think, I think yeah. No, Jared, I love that. And I think that's that becomes the big work for all of us because for us to get there, we have to be willing to take ownership of our own life and not be reliant on somebody else to make us feel a certain way, right? It, it becomes, there is a, <clears throat> I, didn't, I didn't read it, so just full disclosure, I just saw, and I don't even know if this was a, this was a um, paraphrase of what was said or not, but I just, I just clicked on it because I was curious of what the comments were gonna be. So the Whole Foods CEO made a statement yesterday or the day before saying basically that part of the reason that America has been hit so hard by COVID is because America as a society has become so overweight and obese. And because of that, it's creating pre-existing conditions that then make us more vulnerable to this disease. Now that's not anything new. We've been hearing that for years that America is getting fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter. And now we're amongst the league leaguer, lead leaguers, league leaders, if I could say that around the world in terms of overweight and obesity, the numbers go up every year and not just for adults, but for children too. We're seeing things like childhood diabetes at a pandemic rate that we used to never be non-existent before. And so I just read that and I think, okay, well, there's, in my perspective, there's truth to that. Doctors I've talked to who have had these experiences with COVID patients, they say one common theme seems to be pre-existing conditions, those who get hit the hardest with it. There is always those ones that are off, you know, the abnormalities in there. But I, I was even talking to somebody the other day, their whole family got COVID and the ones who had it the hardest bout with it were ones with pre-existing conditions. Okay, so just that aside though, there is a truth to it in what people are putting in the mouth. And so immediately, what I was curious about was what the comments are, and this is on Twitter, and everybody's immediately defending why that's not accurate. Well, what am I supposed to do if I'm broke? What am I supposed to do if this? What am I supposed to do if that? You know, and it's, a lot of it's, well, fuck this guy. He's so wrong. He's this, he's that. And, and label, label, label. Nowhere in that was there, was I seeing somebody say, you know what? I may not be making as much money where I can afford 
the food at Whole Foods. I may not have this, but I could walk a little bit more. I could make some time for exercise. If I'm going to have to eat food that is like, if I'm going to have to have the $1.99 meal at McDonald's, knowing that that's not the optimal food for me, I can make a decision to portion control it. And if I know that that meal is 3000 calories, I could cut it in half and have 15, right? There's not that kind of ownership over our own ability to do something to better our lives. And I think that's a really dangerous dynamic that we see playing out because it's almost becomes this, that we're waiting for, uh, it's like becoming these savior and saved. We're waiting for the ascension of someone to come and save us and save the solution, save the problem. And for us as a society to be saved versus looking at the mirror and saying, I have the ability to make this better. I have the ability to make my business better, my life better, my relationship better, everything. If you were to go to couples therapy and you and your spouse were to sit down in there, they're not going to say to you, well, you know what you should probably do is you should probably go get a bunch of people around you who are going to make you guys feel better about yourselves. And then your relationship will work better. What they're going to probably say is, is you have to go within and start to really look at what your aim is. Like Jared was saying before, what do you really want and how can you elevate each other up to support each other in that aims? We are doing a disservice to one another when we start to placate to this. Yes, you're right. You aren't able to do anything about it because then all you're doing is you're taking a person's ability to learn how to fish away. And each of us have that capacity to learn to fish in some way. And yeah, we don't want to, we don't want to be bad people. We don't want to hurt feelings. And it is hard to tell someone who's on hard times that you have to be able to make the mo make more of what you're doing now in the terms of what are you doing to improve as opposed to what are you doing to why is the world unfair and against you? I, you know, CT Fletcher is right. Mm -hmm. Dude, so C.T. Fletcher, he's, again, somebody who's not for everybody. This guy is an old school bodybuilder, weightlifter, and he loves to say the F word way more than Jared and I do combined. <laughs> and the guy, though, he, he, the way he uses it is it's almost like a, how a, a preacher might preach a sermon. And he's just, he, he's such this, he's such this like beautiful personality that when he says it, it's just, it's so fun to listen to him talk in his videos. And I remember, so C.T. Fletcher I think he did a little bit of time in prison and he used to hold the world record for what's called the strict curl, which is basically a certain way of curling a, a, a barbell. And he had talked about that being so poor, all his meals were just McDonald's. That's all he could afford was McDonald's. And so he had put on, that was how he would get energy to go weightlift, but he was still exercising. And he, he, he'll say now that it wasn't the healthiest thing to do, but he was still, he wasn't just eating McDonald's and not exercising. There was that exercise piece that helped balance out what was going into McDonald's. It was taking what he had, the limited financial resources he had and saying, okay, this is as good as I can do with this food I have. What else can I do to support that, to offset that? We must be able to eat and we must also be able to be proactive in the aspects of our life that are cause betterment in our life. And there's always, always something, even if it's just a little something that each of us can do. And if we start to tell one another that we are powerless to change, we are doing the most massive, in my opinion, disservice to humanity. And that is the ultimate lie that I would say is horribly immoral because you are taking away somebody's own a power and ability to affect the quality of their life. Each person in our life who's struggling is not helpless. 
They are not powerless. They are not incapable of making changes because most of their struggles, even if they're in the hardest of financial times, I would argue that probably the biggest struggle that they are facing is the struggle inside of their own mind and their own heart. And if you take away that person's ability to access this and this and to start to believe in themselves, to start to believe in their capacity to be an underachiever like Larry Bird, to rise above, to be somebody who, like Michael Jordan, was cut from his high school team and can still go on to achieve greatness. You are robbing human beings, your human beings, of their God-given potential to be a better version of themselves. And that is something that I think, this is why I, I always come back to Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning is one of the most important books we'll ever read. Because if a man who is in a concentration camp, who's being brutally beaten and tortured on a regular basis, who has all his family members killed, his community brutalized, who is bearing witness to thousands of people being executed and tortured daily and can come away and say, I realize that I have emotional choice, that I can feel empathy for the people who are torturing me because I realize that they are held hostage in their own minds while I have a freedom that can come away with the recognition that the people who survived made a decision and here to survive. And many people who died, died because they died in here first. And if they can come out and be able to have that and be able to contribute, arguably one of the most important pieces of modern psychology about the one freedom that we all have is a freedom to choose our attitudes. We sure shit in the modern day time when we have more technology making life simpler for us, where there is an abundance of all these different things available, where information is not so guarded, where we all have access to information. Even if we don't have the finances to have internet at home, we might be able to get to a community library, whatnot. The majority of us have access to the abilities and the resources that can, we can then implement to make immediate change. And we cannot, in my opinion, we cannot continue to disserve one another by telling them that they're powerless to change, that they need to have the savior come and save them. If there's something that isn't working in our lives, we have to start loving people enough to challenge them, to look at what are they doing to help fix that, to change that, to evolve it. That is, that is, I guess, 100% my argument with both sides, right? Um, and I have, I had a conversation with a, a two conversations, which are pretty, probably decent examples of everything you just talked about. And then I'm gonna let you finish up and we can cap off. Um, cause I know you got a time, I know you got time restraints today. Um, but I, I had a, a conversation with one of my friends who is married, right. And they're Trump supporter and their wife is an avid anti-Trump, right. To the point they're like, please don't ever talk about it. Right. Like, so like they're, you know, and, um, and you know, they asked me, um, and we've had conversations about it. Right. And they kind of know where I stand. And, I, and they asked me like, you know, who I want to see. I was like, honestly, I don't, I don't care who, who the president of the United States is. And I'm be super honest with you guys. Like I really don't. What I care about. And, and we talked about this before was like, I hold people accountable for their own beliefs. I don't care if you've been sucked into the group or not. When I talk to you as an individual, I expect you to talk to me. I don't expect the group to talk to me. So I'm, I am going, if you spit back to me group thought, 
then I am still going to judge you as an individual trapped in that group or whatever. Mm. I, it, you, you, especially if I'm giving you a chance to speak to me as an individual, right? And so like, and you know, we talk about some of the ideas and, and like, so his wife, but like the things that like he promotes people to say the, and believe these things and blah, 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 right? And, you know, other people on the other side, people, Black Lives Matter, they promote people to say and believe these things, blah, 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 blah. I was like, you're talking to, I'm talking to an individual. You have a decision to make in your mind what you believe and what you're going, what you're going to espouse, right? And so I don't feel like any president should be responsible for the thoughts of individual Americans. And I think that we have to get to a place where it doesn't matter who the president of the United States is, people still think for them fucking for their fucking selves. So people still think for themselves, right? And if you can't think for yourself, then that's the problem. That's the problem, not the president of the United States. Your inability to think and make decisions for yourself is the problem. And until you learn to do that, you're always going to be unhappy. You're always going to be disgruntled. You're always going to be, for lack of a better sense, word, a loser. And, and that's, just, that's just the way it is. And that's just life. And you got to learn to think for yourself. And, and you can agree with the group, but you damn sure better be an individual all the time at the same time. And, and, and be consciously, I'm with the group here and I'm not with the group here at all times. And maybe that's because when I was growing up, and like, you know my story, like I knew where the group would have led me at certain points in my life. And it's def- it was to the grave or to fucking handcuffs. I know that, right? So I had to be an individual, right? I had love for many people in the group, but I'm an individual, always will be, right? Because that's what, that's what I saw in every group. That's why I liked your comparison about <laughs> about you know Democrats and Republicans and then you know gangs and, and and Compton and whatever because every group will do that to you. Every group will lead you off a cliff. No group will lead you to the promised land. I promise you that because the promised land is, is here and here. Yes. Every group will imprison you at some point. Every group, I don't give a freak what they are espousing, what they're saying. If they're, not, if they're not promoting you to be true to you, at the end of the day, there are some groups that may do that, to promote you to be true, true to you, right? Most groups don't. Most groups want you to be true to the group, right? Most groups want you to be true to the group. And at some point, you're going to lose yourself. And, and when you walk that walk, for long enough, you will, the thing you will mourn is the loss of you. The pain you'll have is you know you gave up on yourself to fit in. You gave up on yourself to be a part of this. And, 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 that's, and, that, and, that, and, that, and that is, that death of self is, is something that, you know, it's very hard to go come back from that. It's very hard to, to, to regain that. And, 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 and I don't think it's, in my opinion, the thought of it scares the fuck out of me. Because to me, there's nothing more painful than that. To me, there's nothing more painful than that. And uh, I'll tell you how much I believe in, 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 in uh, self and in, in in, in taking personal responsibility. I just had a conversation with a friend who's going through a divorce. 
And while we were talking, so this is nice. I am, you know, I'm a nice guy. And I say like, I, I said to her, I said to this, this friend, I was like, well, it's their second divorce. I was like, and they, and they made a statement like, you know, I guess I'm not meant to be married. And like, well, with me kind of a thing. And I was like, I felt sorry for them. But I also had to say, I had to say to them, like, well, you have to ask yourself, you know, what kind of person you're attracting. Like, you're obviously attracting a certain type of person. And, you know, there is definitely, like, so I feel like when, some, when people make st- statements like, I guess I'm not meant to be married, they're both saying, one, I'm personally responsible for this in some way, right? And then two, though, they're becoming a victim and saying there's nothing I can do about it. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I hate, I hate statements like that. I hate the statement that says, this is kind of my fault, but hey, there's nothing I can do about it, right? And the woe is me, right? The woe is, this is my fault, but I can't help it. I can't do anything about it. Woe is me. I fucking hate that, right? It, it, this, is, this is in part my fault. There are a hundred million kajillion things because I'm a human being with endless capabilities and possibilities. There's so many things I can do about it as long as I'm still living and breathing, right? And... Then the other truth of it is, to some extent, it's not my fault, <laughs> right? Yeah. But the first two are the most important. It's, there's a part of it that's my fault, and there are endless amount of things I can do about it because I'm a human being with endless capabilities. The part where it's, it's not my, it's not my, it's only, that's one in three, right? And yeah, this needs to be fixed, and you need to move your circles and blah, 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 blah. But these two are the most important at all times. And I think that goes back to your point about people you know we lose this we lose that what did you say it was oh god it was, it was the uh the ability of, of human beings Ooh, fudge. now this is where i wish i could rewind the conversation <laughs> instant replay because <laughs> it's when you said it, it like it took my whole mind down that path that i just that whole thing that i just spewed out there but it, it was, it was in, in essence, it was like, you know, our, our ability as individuals, right? And, and, you, you, and you touched on it and how we lose that. We lose it when we build the wall. We lose, we lose a big portion of it. And, and, and then our perception changes as well, right? But I think, I think we should recognize that we're willfully, to a certain extent, cutting off a part of ourselves to gain that new perspective. Or as we gain that new perspective, that limited perspective, we've limited ourselves. And if you can look at it from that way, that point of view of how you've limited yourself and your potential and your ability as a human being, I think that would give you a little bit more if you'd be able to test that sentiment just a little bit more, that thought of, you know, corrupting this, this, this magnificent being that you are, right? in limiting that right like you would be less likely to do that to quote unquote for like a better word fit in or feel safe <laughs> jared i you know i've shared with you that most of this time during COVID, i i've launched this other podcast and between your conversations yours and my conversations and the interviews i've done with other people i've interviewed probably now gosh, I think close to 170 people in the last six months. And what's been amazing, and somebody asked me if you see any themes coming through at all. 
And I said, one of the most amazing things I've seen consistently over and over again is each of the people has found a way to turn a struggle into a strength. Each of the people has found a day to turn what was their worst day into some weird way, shape, or form into a best day. And I think that that's important because struggles, hardships, life does not discriminate. Life does not necessarily choose, make choices because somebody is affluent or poor or anything like that. Our perception of life can certainly be harder depending on where we're sitting and our perceived social standing. But struggle, it's inevitable part of life that we will struggle and we will face suffering at some point. What is truly going to mark our quality of life is what we do with that. And if we need evidence, let's look at lottery winners. You know, there's been countless studies that 90 some percent of the people who win a big lottery win, they end up several years later financially worse off and emotionally more despondent and unhappy than they were before. Why is that? Because if we think, you know, the single biggest thing that when survey after survey people ask, what would radically change your life? And they said, win the lottery. Well, it's not about that. You can buy all the stuff and everything, and it's not going to make a difference. It's not going to tell you figure out what really matters to you, who you really are, what you really value and what you are capable and understanding what it is you want. And then having that be, as Jared was saying earlier, your aim, your focus, that is when you will start to feel, I think, and experience life at a deeper level. That's the ultimate bridge to build. And it's a bridge that we must first build within ourselves. Yes. Right? It, and and, and it's, it's the bridge we got to build in ourselves, and it gives us the power to build other bri bridges. Yes. Because the reason we build walls is because we feel disempowered. Yep. As individuals, we feel disempowered. Yep. So we have we to protect. feel like the world can affect us. Huh? Yeah, yes. We have to protect. I can't let anybody else see me for the scared and scarred individual as I am. We build bridges when we no longer feel the need to protect. We feel the, we feel the ability to open up and invite people in. Can I? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Nobody can get in if there's a wall, but if there's a bridge, anyone's welcome to cross. Exactly. Exactly. They might, not, they might have some ideas that, that you don't like or whatever that you disagree with. But you're so firm in who you are. They're like, you're not going to. Yeah. And then people are no longer, they're not a threat. <laughs> but you can embrace them as just being wildly curious and trying to understand more about them. Yes. And then you will find what's incredibly amazing is how much you can see in common and how many similarities you can have. And then you really get to step back and say, wait a minute. Is it really worth going to war over someone because they think Larry Bird is a better player than Michael Jordan, or they think Biden is a better candidate than Trump or vice versa. When at the core, they have all these same beliefs as me. They have all these same values as me. They want all these same things as me. It's just where they've chosen to hang their hat on because of their emotional experience and how they're perceiving it is different than mine. And then maybe what we can really do is because now our bridges are open and we've built them and we're allowed to connect, we can start to have conversations and all of a sudden from those conversations become ideas that might be a hell of a lot fucking better than when it's done before. We might yeah. find that, you know what, Republican, Democrat, completely antiquated, completely outdated, 
both of them are completely not the right way. Let's make a hybrid. Let's make a new way, a new way of doing it. Let's open up a new place, a new opportunity. Let's, let's come together and realize that, wait a minute, maybe there's a lot of really good stuff here. There's a lot of really good stuff here. And we find this meeting in the middle place of something that, you know, there's all these things that we will never get to explore if we're focused on building walls instead of bridges. Yes. Yeah. Making absolutes. Yep. When, as you were telling that story, I thought of uh, Alice in Wonderland and the, and the queen, you know, off of his head. Yeah. All yes. the flowers got to be red. All the flowers got to be white. Right. No pink, no orange, no anything. Right. Just a fear of so, so afraid of anything different that it has to be destroyed. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and, uh, you know, it's, we, we can't go there. <laughs> we can't, we can't go there. That is, that is, it, we, we literally can't go there because in, in today's day and age, the internet will not allow us. We're always going to see someone who thinks and believes differently from us. So you better get fucking used to it. <laughs> you better get used to it. And you better learn to know who you are. Because they could keep coming. <laughs> it's going to keep coming. You know, it is, man. It's going to keep coming. All right, man. Dude, I, Jared, I, I so appreciate our time together and our conversations. Like, I, I feel just, we record these. Everybody just so everybody knows we record these early in the mornings. And I, I find myself just so engaged and I don't know, just excited about what's possible after I spend this time with Jared. And so Jared, man, I, I really appreciate you. Um, ditto. Same, same. You give me a, you know, I probably, I'd be doing, you know, maybe one Facebook post every once in the blue moon, like that one that you found me on. But like, this is, it, 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 uh, you elevate me, man. You elevate me. So I appreciate you. Likewise, appreciate man. You. Absolutely. And uh, for everybody else, so we're hopping off. Questions, comments, as always. What are your thoughts? What are your observations? And <clears throat> perhaps if we could extend a challenge to each of you, it would be to reach out to someone who on the surface doesn't believe what you believe and be willing to engage a conversation, not to try to prove them wrong or to prove yourself right, but try to see how deep you can go with them to try to really understand, try to feel, see if you can get to that level of safety, that, that basic primal level that most people are after. And in so doing, just allow yourself to experience that. It would be, go back to some of the threads in the group where people have talked about different life experiences, different belief systems, extend a, extend a message to them. Just ask, Hey, would you be open to chatting? And then do it with the preface that we're giving you right now and say, you know, Jerry and Jesse's video they just did was talking about this. So let's just see if we can do it. You will be wildly fascinated by what can come up and what you can discover and what you'll be able to experience with yourself. And this is how I think what we were just both saying, this is how we all truly build bridges. In my opinion, at least this is how we really start to begin to build those bridges. It's, it's if we can take this, we, 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 none of us do a service to I think the greater good we all believe in, if we have these conversations stay within this group. And so we have to start being willing to have these outside of it. And anyways, we, we look for all your comments and questions and we sure do appreciate all of you being a part of the journey with us. Beautiful. Take it easy guys.